you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Today, I am starting my my plans. My goal is to get family stories out so families who listen to me will understand that they are not alone. Families who are going through what could be a trauma will hear stories of other families and what they've been through. And um, hopefully that will inspire uh, other people to keep following their instincts and fight for their kids. Hopefully, more importantly, it will inspire providers and practitioners to learn as much as they can to support families, to understand the issue of tongue tie, to dispel the myths. There's so many myths around tongue tie and get the facts out. So today I will be talking to someone whose story really touched me when she, you know, I get a lot of DMs and thank you so much for DMing me. I get lots of them, but Sarah, um, her story really touched me um, because it was, let's put it this way. And she'll tell you, she'll tell the story, but to me, it was an extreme, um, extreme outcome that probably could have been avoided if the professionals that Sarah took her baby to, number one, listened to her and had any awareness of the possible repercussions for tongue tie, right? So this is not just about breastfeeding and we don't learn about it in school. And mostly I have learned from all of you and I think other providers need to be open to that too. So let's, Let's see um, if Sarah is here. I think I saw her joined. Okay, here she comes. Hi. Hi, welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for being with me here today. And, Thank you for having me. And from the, the um, people that are following, you know, listening to us today, I want to thank you in behalf of them because I, I have a feeling that your story is going to touch a lot of hearts and affect a lot of people's ideas about tongue tie being just about breastfeeding and tongue tie being something that we can just live with or ignore or not need to learn about. Um, so thank you. Okay. So I guess on October 16th, 2014, I gave birth to my fourth child, my second daughter. Mm -hmm. And I breastfed her right away, you know, like I did with my other kids and she didn't breastfeed for long, but Everything seemed fine. And during my time in the hospital, I 
the nurses took a look, the pediatrician took a look. They said, this latch looks great. Looks like what we see in a textbook. And, and, said, and did it feel okay to you at that point or yes. did something feel to it? felt yes. okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and that's what's very interesting about my whole story is that the latch looked and felt fine to me the whole time. It was just, she wasn't gaining weight. But, mm -hmm. yes. So when she was, when she was released, they noted a weight loss, but they didn't say too much about it. I mean, our family's not predisposed to having large uh, babies. So, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't, they didn't really red flag it or anything. And then when I had her first visit with the pediatrician, I guess it was later that week, her weight was the same as discharge weight. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was at that point that the pediatrician said anything. She said, you know, come back for her two-week visit. So we came back so for the two-week visit. Can I interrupt visit. you? At that point, yes. when she was nursing, did you have any idea that it wasn't going well? Like, what would, what would parents look out for um, that you might have been experiencing? Did she have good diaper output? I think so. I mean, this was seven years ago. Yeah, and, um, and this was your fourth baby. She was so my fourth. You know. Taking care of three kids yeah. at the same time, right? Exactly. And my mm -hmm. next youngest was only 20 months older. So Okay. Um, so you had your hands yeah. full. Yeah. Exactly. So I think at her two-week visit, she was still the same. And I think it was at that point that the pediatrician said, you know, you need to be doing both sides and 15 to 20 minutes. So I tried to go by that. Except those 15 to 20 minutes took an hour because she would fall asleep on the breast. Mm -hmm. That was really, and um, I had no nipple pain. You know, usually when people think tongue tie, they think chomped up nipples mm -hmm. and pain. I had none of that. And and did, did he advise you to see a lactation specialist, either a, um, a IBCLC um, or a counselor I, or anybody I at that point? I don't remember. At some point I was told to pump to see if it wasn't a supply issue. I know that's not, necessarily a good litmus, right. litmus test but I did pump and I got I, I forget but how much exactly but I did make contact with a lactation consultant in the community and she said this doesn't you know she, she clearly doesn't have enough energy I don't care what they said about her latch looking normal I mean of course she never laid eyes on my daughter at any point mm -hmm. but um she said this all to me over the phone you need to start supplementing and she said I told her how much I had because I called her thinking it was a supply issue. Mm -hmm. And when I told her how much I pumped, she's like, no, that's, a, that's you know, that's that's gold. That's a lot. I forget how so much. So in other words, was, you had milk, but she wasn't able to extract it. Exactly. Right. And having to the hospital where I delivered um, has, well, with COVID now, I don't know what the current status is. But for a long time, they had a breastfeeding support group where, you know, you come with your baby and feed and the lactation consultants from the hospital would be there and they could work with you. They had a skill. You could do a weighted feed. And she pretty much always transferred well. But when I would take her to the pediatrician, she wasn't gaining weight. But to backtrack a bit, when I spoke to this lactation consultant, she said, you need to supplement. And not with formula. She said, I'm pumping. I'm getting a lot. I should give her an extra ounce after each feeding. And then hopefully that will give her more energy and she will be able to be able to nurse better. Mm -hmm. So we did that and it, it worked. And then I don't know if it was at some point, when I went to the breastfeeding group at the hospital, one of the lactation consultants said, you have your hands full. You don't need to supplement. She's fine. Oh, no. So I stopped. And, you know, unfortunately, I wish I had her whole weight chart in front of me, but I don't. Mm -hmm. No, it's um, okay. It's okay. It's enough. Yes, but so it's she started, I, it sounds like she so, started then, doing okay. And then she slowed down with, again. Yeah. And then I mm -hmm. started supplementing again. I was, and I was supplementing and I was feeding her like very strictly like, I think eight times in 24 hours. And the answer was something else was she started sleeping through the night at like a month old, mm -hmm. much earlier. My other, happened to me, my other kids, 
Ball starts sleeping through the night around maybe two months. She starts sleeping through the night very early, which a lot of people think, oh, great. You know, that must be wonderful for you. But yes, I had to get eight feedings in, in about less than 12 hours. Right. And not only that, but she might've been sleeping because she wasn't driving at that point. I hate to use that word, um, but she wasn't, she was hanging on. Okay. But she wasn't thriving to her full capacity. And a lot of babies shut down. Like they just like, I might as well sleep. And they're happy to be in that state of not getting quite as much as they need. Exactly. So, but she was meeting all her other developmental milestones. Um, She smiled on time, all that stuff. And then I would go to the support group, the group at the hospital most weeks, and I would just weigh her there and be able to track her weight gain. And... I remember at some point she was not gaining so much. I know she wasn't gaining not even an ounce or maybe a few ounces. And no, can I but... ask you a question? During all this yeah. point, were you suspecting that something was wrong with her? Were you starting to research and learning about tongue tie and thinking it was a possibility? Not really. Interestingly, and I have not told you this. Okay. I knew a little bit about tongue tie because this is actually, this could be a whole nother, a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother. My, I have four kids. So my oldest is 14. My next is 11. My, then my next daughter's turning not as like turning nine. And then my, and my, the daughter. Who I'm talking about is now seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my, so my 11 year old, he was, his weight gain was fine, but he was chomping my nipples. He needed to nurse all the time. He was not a good sleeper, but he gained weight. So at mm-hmm. that point in time, I did meet with a lactation consultant and granted he's 11. So this was, this was that long ago. She said, I don't think she used the word tongue tie. Mm-hmm. She said he has a short front, a short, a short frenum, mm-hmm. but he'll grow and it'll get bigger. Mm. I mean, eventually it did stop hurting. Right. Yeah. You know, he's the jury's out on him. Maybe I'll, you know, he's 11 and his, at his age, I don't want, I don't want to talk about him too much because that's not why we're here, but it, right. you know, there's just, but you know what? It's interesting because this is one family with two completely different presentations, mm-hmm. right? And then, yeah, my oldest, the jury's kind of out at him. He did have some painful breastfeeding, some other things, but he happens to be, he has hearing loss. And so we were dealing a lot with that. Okay. So he has cochlear implants. So we were dealing a lot with that. And yeah. Um, and then my nine year, my daughter's well, her birthday's next week. She's nine. Interestingly with her, she... The breastfeeding was painful maybe for the first couple of days, but she just breastfed every four hours like clockwork. She was fine. And now, and, but, but, she, you know, she definitely had some myofunctional issues. She sucked her thumb for a while. I mean, and interestingly, when I, early when I forgot how old she was, we were at the dentist. The dentist was like, oh, she has a thick lip friend. And I'm like, oh, oh I, and at that point, this was actually after. Right. I, so you knew about this with my younger daughter. So, yeah. You know, she she does seem to have a thick frenum on her lip and tongue. It does not appear to be causing any functional issues. We're actually doing expansion with myself, her, and my daughter, and my other oh, daughter beautiful. right now. And the, the the dentist we're working with said, "Let's see how expansion goes, and then we'll see what we need to do." Because mm-hmm. so anyway, um, so Betty, getting back to your baby, at what point did it become an urgent issue where you knew um, that something had to be done differently? Well. When I realized that she was just not gaining very much, I called her pediatrician and she said, this doesn't sound right. You need to be giving her more from a bottle. There's just no way that she's feeding this much. And I, she was for a while, like maybe the last feeding of the day, I'd be like, yay, we're done. And then she would throw up. Mm-hmm. That did stop. And that's like, now I don't remember if this was before or after. I think it was after. 
When she was around six weeks old, I reached out to a private lactation consultant to do a visit with her. And she didn't really look at my daughter's mouth that much. I explained to her, you know, sometimes she falls asleep at the breast. She's very slow. She's not gaining weight. I don't really know. It was, you know, very vague symptoms. So she did suggest the possibility of a tongue tie, but she didn't really like, you know, look at the tongue. So she suggested a particular ENT in the area. I had heard of him. Um, So I went to him, I guess, the following week. And he said, he said she didn't have a tongue tie. But she did have a lip tie, but lip ties don't affect bre- affect breastfeeding. But I, I want to release it because it might cause a get cause because it might cause a gap in her teeth. And I said, um, I need to think about it. Mm-hmm. So, and but I, you know, I never went back to it. So I was just you know back and forth with my pediatrician. We were doing weight checks. I did when she told me to pick up more about giving. I was pumping and giving her more in bottles. At the beginning, it worked. She was like, oh, this is great. Just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, but I'm feeding her all the time and doing yeah. you know, what they call the triple feeds. Or, you know, sometimes I'd give her a yeah. bottle and then nurse her to make sure she was getting enough. And I also started to notice when we were doing the triple feeds and just giving her one ounce, maybe two, you know, earlier on, it was okay. But, you know, once she got to one and a half, two ounces, it was just like she got tired. She just like, mm-hmm. it was just like she couldn't do it anymore. Just like, right. So she couldn't take the volume that she was expected exactly. to take at, at her exactly. age. So I wanted to, I just want to interrupt and explain to people who don't know what triple feeding is. Triple feeding is, first of all, it's supposed to be just an intervention of short term. Exactly. It's, it's not a feeding. I never, ever, ever tell somebody to triple feed for more than three days, four days, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because it's unsustainable. Because your quality of life matters too. And <laughs> if the triple feeding meaning pumping, bottle feeding, and putting the baby to the breast, if the triple feeding isn't doing its work in, those, in that short time, then something else is going on and we have, to, we have to change our plan. So what you went through, hopefully, well, a lot of people are still being prescribed to triple feed by people who have no idea what they're telling them to do. You know, and it's not really sustainable. So I'm sorry that you had to, you know, have that struggle and still nobody was giving you the answer of, well, why isn't this baby? Mm-hmm. Why can't she handle the flow? Why can't she handle the volume? Why is she getting tired? What's going on for her? So when so, did you finally get an answer? You had to hit rock bottom first, right? Yeah. So then after this visit where things seemed to be looking better, I went, we went back for I figured if it was like a regular checkup or a weight check, her weight gain had slowed down. And I said to the pediatrician, I said to her, look, I am doing nothing all day but feed her. And she said, well, you know, you're not, you know, basically our family is not so large, you know, based on our genetics. You know, I, I, just keep doing what you're doing. And if she stays on a curve, I, you know, then fine. Um, And then I don't know if I saw her. I just. She the pediatrician was she herself was pregnant and. By her the fourth month checkup, as actually I had her fourth month, my this daughter's fourth month checkup with together with my other daughter's two-year checkup. She was out, and we actually had to reschedule it for like a week later with the nurse with a nurse practitioner. And I don't know if it was at I think it was at that visit. I mean, I had mentioned that she she was throwing up and she stopped, but she was she wasn't spitting up a ton, but she was spitting up more than my other kids did. And she's mm-hmm. like, Oh well, you know, I think she has reflux. And I was thinking, this just doesn't sound like reflux. Mm-hmm. And she prescribed reflux medicine. Um, so she was put on then, medication at that point. Yes. Okay. Um, and then I think I, I forget based on what I followed up with this nurse practitioner and she said, okay, you need to see it. You need to see it. Yeah. Pediatric gastroenterologist it happened to be at, uh, Johns Hopkins. I live in Baltimore, Maryland and at Johns Hopkins at that time, there was a, I, um, 
a GI who actually specialized in infant feeding issues. Um, I called and tried to get an appointment with her. She was booked out months in advance. I mean, she happens to be, she's mm-hmm. bad at state. She's not even there anymore, but um, and, you know, who knows if she would have picked up on this, but they were like, Oh, but this one has, a, has an opening next week. And I said, okay, fine. So, and actually by this point, I should also mention, I had been in touch with my pediatrician and with, and then later with the nurse practitioner. Is that this, these triple feeds, my daughter's, just stopped, started rejecting bottles altogether. I was trying oh, different no. nipples. The pediatrician, the pediatrician suggested trying different nipples. Yes, because she would, because um, I was trying using the, the Medela nipples because that was just easy because that my pump and the containers, so I could just feed so it right away. Yeah, you had quite so quite a journey and quite yeah. a job. Okay, so now we're talking of she's like four months old and she's refusing yeah, bottles. So about, mm-hmm. and I guess she was probably around five months when we went to the GI and the GI said, you know, I'm a proponent of breastfeeding. You know, why don't you, um, she suggested that I add, um, you know, some powder, some, uh, some formula to her to fortify her bottles with, with formula to give her some extra calories. And I was like, but she doesn't take bottles. How's this, how's this going to happen? And I was like, I'll just keep trying. And I had said, I had tried, um, you know, I used Playtex drop-ins with my other kids, even though I breast them, bred them primarily when I had to give them a bottle. We generally would use Playtex drop-ins, so I tried those. She didn't like, she like she maybe took it the first time and then she stopped. I even tried the Tomo bottles. I don't know if they make those anymore. Um, she didn't really go for those either. And, um, and also because my daughter also had, I mean, I, you know, this this was probably... Interestingly, her lack of nutrition never seemed to affect her development, but I guess this is why she had a very nasty cradle cap. I mean, like, like her skin was almost coming off. Like, you could see, like, it was like, and she had, like, well, what was said to be eczema. I'm not convinced that it was really eczema, mm-hmm. but she had, her skin was totally, did not look So she might have had some food intolerances going on at the exactly. same time. Well, I, I don't know. That's what yeah. this, this, this GI said, avoid dairy and soy. If you try some, you know, we'll... She changed that. Yeah, she changed the dosage on the medicine. You know, give her, um, you know, put some put some nutramigen in her. Um, that's you know very sensitive form. Some yeah. sensitive formula. I mean, more sensitive ones in her in her bottles. And get back to me in two weeks. So, I think she gained a little bit of weight. She lost a little bit of weight. Anyway, I the only time I was ever able to get her to take a bottle was she was basically asleep. I got her to take a little bit. But, and if, but at this time, she would still come on your breast. Yes, exactly. She, you know, she, she wanted, she wanted my breast. You know, she mm-hmm. was pretty young, but why she wasn't gaining weight, we weren't sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, um, and then I guess when I, then I, I got back to her about two weeks later, I said that her weight had gone up. She lost a little bit of weight. So it was pretty much about the same as it had been at that first visit. And then she called me and said, she needs a supplemental feeding tube. She needs to come to the hospital. Um, I'm sorry. And yeah, that was, and then I guess that was, I guess that was a Tuesday. And we went in late Wednesday, like late Wednesday afternoon. And we were there until Friday. Um, She, you know, she was able to gain weight with the, she had an NG tube. She was able to gain weight. I did Mm -hmm. kind of ask, you know, why is, why, why can't she take it orally? They're like, ah, we don't know. We're just trying to see if her, I mean, her, um, her, you know, her digestive system is intact. I was, well, what, can you test her for allergies? Allergies are like, we don't test at that age. Yeah, I'm like, well, mm-hmm. celiac, because a friend did suggest that. They were like, nah, it's hard. I mean, having to be the nurses were, I mean, 
the, the nurses were like a, treated us very well. So I can't really, you know, I don't can't say I had a bad experience in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at this point, I kind of was doing G. I was dealing mostly with G. I started thinking about the tongue. They're thinking about the stomach. Right, right. And you know, they did actually ask if I wanted to meet with their lactation consultant. I said, sure, why not? But I never saw her. So, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe that was for the best. Who knows? And so when they discharged us, they gave me instructions for how to, you know, maintain and change the NG as needed. And they said they would, they have, Johns Hopkins has a nice home health system. They had a pediatric OT. They said, we'll send an OT to your house to help work with her on taking bottles again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're very nice. I They were really a pleasure to deal with. Um, and then, so sometimes I would go, so I would go to the pediatrician for weight checks. I kept going to the breastfeeding group. She was gaining. Um, what I was supposed to do was try to give her five ounces from a bottle and then whatever she didn't take, put through the tube. And then I was supposed to give her, you know, continuous feed overnight. Uh-huh. Um, and, and how long did she have the tube in for? A total of about three months. I wow. Yeah. Three okay. months from, yeah. She went to the hospital on April 1st and she pulled out her feeding tube for the last time on July 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, why I remember that. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> and so, but I was just, I, you know, I didn't want to deal with the tube. I was like, it's taking her an awfully long time to fin- uh, finish five, five ounces. It was taking her an hour to finish five ounces. And I was, I would do different things. I would rewarm it. I would try to minimize distractions. I had my other kids around. It was really not so simple, but, um, it would just take her an hour, often take her an hour to finish a bottle, except for when we were having our, uh, evaluation Hopkins pretty much in a situation with, they automatically were, refer us to infants and toddlers that in New York, it's what they call early intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, um, and you know, she, she didn't qualify. She was, but it happened to be, cause I mean, she was really like, cause in terms of her physical development, everything else she was like, right. So now you've target. seen how many, Targets how many different evaluations she happened to finish them. She happened to polish off a bottle in 15 minutes at the at her evaluation. Wow. But never, she never did that again. Right. Um, so finally I said, this is like, you know, I feel like this is just a holding pattern. No one's telling me. We don't know why. I, you know, what, what's 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 going to happen? Right. So I had heard about a feeding therapist in our area, um, who people really liked, and I thought, well, let me try calling her. Mm-hmm. So it took a couple tries to get through to her. I think this was by the end of May or beginning of June, and it took me a few times. Yeah, I got through to her finally, and I was giving her my daughter's entire history on the phone, and she stopped me in the middle and said, "Have you ever checked for a tongue tie?" Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yes, Dr. So-and-so said she didn't have one. Mm-hmm. And that she had a lip tie, but lip ties don't affect breastfeeding. She said, well, everything you're describing is consistent with tongue tie, and you need to get a second opinion, like, ASAP. Because right. she's developing oral aversion. She's, they're probably going to try to start suggesting a G-tube. You know, right. um, so, you know, um, she explained that, you know. That, that that tongue ties could cause reflux because they're taking in air. Exactly. Oh, and, and and also I forgot to mention we had we did get the go ahead from our pediatrician, well from the nurse practitioner because the pediatrician was still on maternity to try solids. She seemed like she wanted them, but she just couldn't swallow them. Like she would just right. gag it, right, or spit it out. So that, so she's that's, that's probably that's, why she's having a hard time with solids. Yeah. yeah, and that's on the way to oral aversion because a kid who has exactly. a hard time protecting their airway when they're eating doesn't want to eat. Right. Exactly. Because it's dangerous for exactly. them. It feels scary. And so many exactly. kids get labeled as picky eaters or fussy mm-hmm. or behavioral disorders when it's really that they're afraid to eat 
because they're afraid they're going to aspirate. They, you know, they're afraid they're going to choke because yeah. they can't control the way that bolus of food gets sent down to where it's got to go and get swallowed. Yeah. Cause then that's so, what she was so how old about. were you, how old was the baby when you had the diagnosis of tongue tie? She was about seven and a half months. Seven and a half months. Wow. Almost eight. But, and the thing um, with salads is that I, it's like there's so much that like went on that I don't always remember it all in one fell swoop. But of I did course. was in touch with the GI, and I said, you know, she wasn't taking rice cereal so well. She's like, you know, you don't have to start with rice cereal. You know, just go to purees. You know, so I tried that; it was the same thing. And um, so, but anyway, so that was a Friday when I spoke to this feeding therapist. I um, there was I asked if I should go to a particular pediatric dentist who I had heard about, and she mm-hmm. said yes. And she like as soon as she got through with me, she texted me his information. I called. I got an appointment for the following Thursday. And then on Monday, they called that Monday. They called and said, we have a cancellation. Can you come today? I said, okay. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm not going to say it was magic. It did not. We still had feeding therapy for a few months. She still had the tube for another month. Her weight still went up and down a little bit. You know, we had to work with her. I was worried about reattachment. I went back to the dentist. He said, everything was fine. It seemed like the issue was we were trying to wean her off the, the um, reflux medicine a little too soon. And, um, Mm -hmm. and, but I, and, um, you know, body work, as we now, their body work is more readily available in our area. At that point, it wasn't so much. Right, so, yeah. body work, I so, wish so we what, had. Yeah, what I'm hearing from you is, and, and this is typical, the later that the therapies start, mm-hmm. the harder it is for the baby to get back on track where they should be. Because yeah. now she had been doing a certain thing with her tongue and her posture and everything exactly. for all these months, right? And so the exactly. longer that goes on, the harder it is to mm-hmm. go back. I get so many questions from, from parents who say to me, it's too late, right? And, and my answer is, it's never too late. I had my tongue tie released after I was 50. I had mine released so, this past summer. Right. So it's never too late. You just have to think about yeah. the work around it being increased before and after um, in order mm-hmm. to get the results. And now we do more than we did seven years ago with exactly. pre-body work and things like that. Exactly. But we yeah. didn't even have, like I said, it was in our case, it was kind of an emergency. I would, yes. I, you know, I, I mean, we had to do it when we did. Yeah. I, I really do wish that we could have had some sort of functional assessment beforehand to get baselines. Cause that, that, yes. that is tough. Um, she definitely, you know, can I say, do I know if her, you know, bre- actual breastfeeding got better post-release? I'm not sure, but I can tell you she, she did shortly after take off the solids. Okay, great. And, so she did what she one, needed to do for her age. Which is exactly that's what function is. And exactly. And this feeding interesting the feeding therapist said that there were things that, you know, because I had been told, Oh, she has a high palate. That's what mm-hmm. lactation consultants at the hospital group said, Oh, she does have a high palate. I didn't know that a tongue tie causes that. But this feeding therapist, you know, when she worked with us at post release, she explained all that to me, the how it can. And she said there are things you can do, but she's kind of getting she's kind of at the end of the age range where it can Aww. be done. Like I to lower the palate, like, I don't right. know. I and that's not true either. We know that. <laughs> now you know that. I mean, right? well, I mean, I'm saying the way she, I mean, I'm saying in terms of like what, like sticking her finger in her mouth or something that would create an right. old, in terms of that, isn't right. it? Like it was kind of, she was kind of getting too old for that. I mean, she's, right. yes, now she, well, she sleeps in a Schwartz appliance, which getting her to keep it in is, uh, you know, she's been better the last few days. So, so the, the good news is that she doesn't have a tongue tie. She gained weight. She's good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so what, well, what, yeah. what message would you like to say 
to parents who are having struggle with weight gain for their babies? What message would you, what would you have wanted to tell you while this was going on? If somebody could have spoken to you and said, Sarah, this is what you need to know, what would it have been? Um, I guess that, <laughs> a tough question. Um, I mean, obviously I wish someone had told me that weight gain could be a sign of tongue tie. Cause usually when we hear tongue tie, we hear about pain and nipples and, mm-hmm. and nipple damage and painful latch. And I, but I wish that, um, you know, it seems like the medical community, I mean, again, this is the feeding therapist said this, um, is more focused on the number on the scale than about why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's great when, you know, yes, the barometer, it seems that the barometer of a baby's health is their weight gain. But, um, and, you know, there is some truth to the fed is best mentality, but I, fed is, I, I said that I have said this, that is the problem. The where it falls short is that is not best. If it is, she, it is masking us from figuring out what an issue is in the first place. Right. Right. So, so yeah. what, what you're saying is what I often say is, you know, we can put band-aids on the problems, but if exactly. we don't find out what the problem is, then you're not solving the problem. You're just pushing it down the road. Exactly. You're just like, right. what, what I, what I compare to is that you don't, if someone has, if someone suspects someone has a broken femur, you don't tell them take Tylenol and call me in the morning. If you don't right. put a band-aid on a broken femur. Right. You have to. Right. Right. And what I would like to say, hearing your story, the message is that the parents experience matters. Yes. Right. And nobody was listening to your experience. Here you are a mother of four Mm -hmm. taking care of a, a medically fragile baby at this point, trying to balance your other kids, doing everything you could for this baby. And it still was like you were knocking your head against the wall because things weren't improving no matter what you did, but you shouldn't be the one responsible for it. So as medical providers, as healthcare providers, as anybody who, who takes care of moms and babies or pregnant people or kids in the first year, we should all be aware of this, all the signs and symptoms and be aware of the parents experience as part of the assessment. Yes, and this ENT and Avenue, this ENT before he, I don't really know how much he looked in my daughter's mouth, but um, but he, you know, I don't like to say that he didn't look hard because I don't really remember. Right, but I right. do remember that the dentist spent more time than you know. Yeah. Can I say he didn't touch the tongue? I don't remember, but he didn't. Right. I don't remember. Looking but, he, but he, you know what? He, he tried to explain to me. He tried to explain to me how tongue ties affect breastfeeding, and I was like, "You're not describing my daughter at all." Right, and not only that, you wouldn't want the ENT who didn't think that a lip tie mattered or didn't yeah. understand that there might be a tongue tie, you don't want them doing it. You don't want exactly. to talk anybody sad, into doing that's a what's procedure. so sad is my feeding, the feeding therapist said, oh, he has a history of this. And seven years later, people are still, right. people like right. lactation consultants and pediatricians are still sending people to him. Right. And there are I, some ENTs that know what they're doing. Yes, I don't want to like bash any. Harry. But but yes, in, I'm a big fan of Doctor yes. Harry. I read. I was reading his. I was actually this whole time. I was kind of reading up on his stuff, and I was like, yeah. eh, you know, yeah. But, yeah. So Dr. Kahari, there are others. So it's not. Yeah. It's not Dr. that we're, yeah. we're not against yes ENTs, but there are certain. You know, in general, the best mm-hmm. provider to go to is a pediatric dentist. 
But before that, your lactation consultants failed you as well. And I, I apologize for my profession. And I spend most of my life trying to educate lactation consultants so that this doesn't happen. Because yeah, that, we don't learn about have, this in school. It's not our yeah, fault and, that we don't yeah. we don't learn about this in school. As a nurse, as a midwife, and as a lactation consultant, I learned this much about tongue tie, and it was about the anterior in the front tongue tie. It wasn't about it wasn't posterior tongue tie. It wasn't anything yeah. about how the function was with breastfeeding. So, um, you know, and it happens to be in the hospital where when I would after my daughter had her release and I was still going to the to the breastfeeding support group at the hospital. I mean, mainly to get her, it was really mainly for the purpose of the weight, but, um, but getting her weighed, but um, they would have PD, they would have pediatric residents helping out. And when I would go after the release, one lactation consultant said uh, on, on at least one, maybe two occasions, she said, she told the resident, sit down and she, you know, told the resident to me to tell the residents my story, Right. how much it'll help. You know, has it shaped them? Can I say that it helped them? I, you know, it can. I, it can hurt, know. and that's, I, I that's, don't know. Yeah, that's one of the Do reasons why I was ha I wanted to discuss this with you yeah. today because you know, us professionals can talk to us all we want. If we don't hear the yeah. experience of families, we're not going to really learn. Yeah. So, Sarah, yeah, thank you, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I guess just to also say that. Um, in the end, my pediatrician happens to be, she left, she, like I have to have news like right at the beginning of COVID, she left the practice, the practice, but she really, I have to say that she, you know, I, I, is she, you know, talking about tongue ties with her patients at her new practice? I don't know, but she, and I didn't just, you know, I, she wasn't dismissive. I, she's not like the horror stories you, she didn't say anything that bad, bad about tongue tie. She didn't say, Oh, it's not a tongue tie. She at the in the end she was willing to admit that she really didn't know and she didn't realize and she really at, in the end when she saw that my daughter was you know when she came back from maternity leave and my daughter's weight was picking up she said whatever you did clearly worked and you know mm -hmm. good for you for, good for you for you know for for seeking all that out yourself right you know so that's why i say a good a good pediatrician is not one that's going to have all the answers a good pediatrician is one that respects you as the parent and is willing is it you know cares more about your child than their ego I love. I that. mean, there are many wonderful there are many wonderful right. pediatricians out there, but she in the end she respected me for. I mean, I didn't. I I remember the day I was going to the pediatrist. I just called and left a message. Said, "Oh, by the way, I'm taking my daughter to have her tongue released today." And she, you know, she, you know, I've heard some stories that even afterwards, the pediatrician's like, "Nah, it wasn't the tongue tie. It just, you know, it's just timing. Right. It's the elimination diet. It's this, it's that." But she said she really feels that the, the the tongue tie, but releasing the tongue and lip tie made a difference for my daughter. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that your story had a happy ending and, you know, I wish you and your daughter well, and thank you so much for coming on today. 